If you've got your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, uh, I started talking about marathons. It was relevant to our passage, and uh, you know, it was, I think it was two weeks ago, I mentioned that about half a million Americans finish a marathon every year. So not just try to run a marathon, but about half a million Americans finish a marathon every year. And I think that's just crazy, Okay. Uh, I think they're, I just found out my nephew's going to be running a marathon. I think he's crazy. Go for it, David, if you're listening on this podcast. Uh, but uh, they're, they're crazy. Uh, 26.2 miles. It's really long. It's really difficult. It's a very tough run. It requires intense focus, intense determination in the training and in the uh, actual execution of the event. It's just not my kind of event. And we talked about them because marathons are an ideal way, though, to express what the Christian life can be like. It's not a sprint. It's a long road that requires focus and determination and perseverance. In fact, if you look in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where we were a few weeks ago, uh, you see that it invites us to look at the Christian life as an endurance race. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the Christian life is like a marathon. So I did some more research on marathons this week, and, and what I found out is that in running a marathon, what happens is eventually you get to a place uh, where things get really hard. So what I've heard is that the first 20 miles are the easy part. Okay, those first 20 miles, that's the easy part of the marathon. You know, the first 10 miles, they just fly by because you're, you're so excited to finally be running the marathon. You're with your friends. There's all the energy, the crowds together, and just first 10 miles go by like nothing. Okay, and then the second 10 miles, your training kicks in, and you're, you're, you're selling the routine. You've, you worked for this. You trained for this. You got this, and so you, you manage to make it through the second 10 miles. And then you get to the point where there's 6.2 miles left. And at that point, it's common to experience what some people call bonking or hitting the wall. Right? This is the point where the name implies you, you hit the wall. It's when your body just suddenly, almost out of nowhere, runs out of energy and you feel like you just can't go on anymore. So technically speaking, what happens is that you run out of glycogen stores. And what that means is that you just have, don't have any energy left. You've got no energy for your legs. You've got no energy for your brain. Things just start to shut down. And it happens suddenly, like you just hit a wall. Uh, some people even report that they hallucinate when they hit the wall. So there's another reason to run marathons right there. Yeah, this is a good time. Okay, but, but people will tell you, though, this is the moment when it gets real. That's the moment when you find out what you're made of. This is why some people run the marathons, is for that moment, to find out that when they're tired, do they have what it takes to keep on going? When everything else is telling you to quit, you've you got to decide in that moment, do I stop now or do I press on? It's those last 6.2 miles that are the hardest. Okay, well, it's, it's possible, you know, to hit the wall in the Christian life, too. Uh, sometimes when we're running the marathon of faith, sometimes it's easy, right? You start off, the first 10 miles are the easiest, and you're just everybody's with you, you're excited, life is good. Okay, but sometimes you get to the place where suddenly, just out of nowhere almost, you run out of energy. 
where you, where you just can't take it anymore. Last week in, in chapter 12, we talked some about God's discipline towards us and how suffering for the Christian, it's not pointless, but it's God's fatherly discipline. And that can be really helpful for us as we process through some of the events that happened in our lives. But even understanding that, sometimes God's fatherly discipline gets to the point where you just want to throw up your hands or maybe shake a fist at God and say, really? Like, really? Come on. Like, there's just so much that happens right after one another. You just, you, you hit the wall. You, you run out of energy. You run out of faith. You know, first it was car trouble. And then your kids got sick. And, and then the basement flooded. And then you lost your job. And then a friend, friend betrayed you. And then a loved one died. And you just, you, like one of those things I could handle, but all of these things at once, it's like I've just run out of steam. And you want to throw your hands up, or maybe you want to curl up in the fetal position and just say, I'm done. I'm done. I can't go on. You ever been there? Are you there now? Do you know somebody who's there right now and you're just like, I don't know how to help them. I want to help them. How do I help them? What are we supposed to do when we hit the wall in the Christian life? What are we supposed to do when we get tired of following Jesus? Now, Hebrews, as you know, has a lot to say about this. In some sense, this is why the whole book was written. It's because there's this congregation that this guy's writing to, and, and they're hitting the wall. Some of them are struggling with sin, and they're saying, I don't know if I want to keep on following Jesus. It's just too hard. And there's some people that are facing persecution for their beliefs. And there's other people who... It just seems like they, they're just finding too much work and they want to go back to the old way of life. And, and one way or another, they're hitting the wall and they're wondering, is Jesus worth it? And as we've seen as we studied through this whole book, the resounding answer is over and over, yes, yes, Jesus is worth it. Don't give up. But today, I just want to look at three verses in Hebrews 12 to try to get a little more practical. To say, okay, we want to keep going. Yes, Jesus is worth it. How? How do we keep going? When, the, when we hit the wall and we are extremely tired and our, our faith is at the limit, how do we keep going? That's what we get here in verses 12 and 13 and 14 in Hebrews 12. So let me read these and let's kind of pull out what's there for us. Hebrews 12, 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. All right, that's it. That's all we're going to look at this morning. Okay, just three verses, because there's just so much there to help us in our time of need. So we've got three verses, and from here I want to show you two very practical tips for how do we keep on going when we're tired of following Jesus, when we hit the wall. And this is what they are right here. First, find strength by believing the gospel. Find strength by believing the gospel. And second, find healing by pursuing holiness. Find healing by pursuing holiness. Okay? First, find strength by believing the gospel. This is the first practical tip that shows up in verse 12. Let's look at it again. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. This is his encouragement. And actually, at first blush, it doesn't seem really helpful, I don't think. It gives a good description of hitting the wall. So you've got weak knees, you've got drooping arms, you're, just, you're exhausted, you've run 
20 miles and you can't go on. Or, or just picture like a toddler who's been walking around the zoo all day and just needs a shoulder ride. I can't go another step. Pick me up. Help. Right? This is, this is what it is. You've got weak knees. You've got drooping arms. You just you can't go any farther. So he's, he's describing what it looks like. And he's saying this is a serious situation. So here's the advice. When you have weak knees, when you have drooping hands, what does he say? Strengthen your weak knees. Lift up your drooping hands. Which sounds like he's just saying, stop being tired. Uh, which does not sound like good advice. Although it might be the advice I give to my kid after they've been walking all, all day. I don't want to give you a shoulder. Just stop being tired. What's wrong with you? Okay, but it doesn't work. Right? It doesn't work. You can't just say, stop being tired. It's not just saying, suck it up. Uh, but that's what it looks like. It looks kind of harsh. Is that, is that what he's really saying? Is he really just saying here, you're tired? Stop being tired. Suck it up. Well, no, not, not if you read it in context. You see, one of, the, one of the problems with me preaching is that for me to go from Hebrews 12.1 to Hebrews 12.14 takes 14 days. It's been two weeks since we covered the beginning of the chapter. But if you're just reading it, it takes like 14 seconds. So the context, he's, he's saying here, yes, strengthen your weak knees, lift up your drooping arms, but he's already said just a few seconds ago how to do it. Okay, so this is like if you're running a marathon and you've got your coach, I don't know if you have marathon coaches, but whatever, your trainer, and, and before you start the race, your coach says, okay, here's some energy bars. I'm going to put these in your fanny pack. You have a fanny pack, right? You wear the fanny pack. You're a stylish marathon runner. So I'm going to take these energy bars, I'm going to put them in your fanny pack, And when you get to mile 20 and you hit the wall, what I want you to do is to reach back in your fanny pack and pull out these energy bars, and I want you to eat them because you need energy then, okay? This is what I want you to do. And so you run along in the race, and you you get there finally to to mile 20, and, and you hit the wall, and your coach is there. He's following you along. And he shouts to you, strengthen your weak knees. Lift your drooping hands. Now, when he says that, he doesn't have to say, by reaching into your fanny pack and pulling out the energy bars, because he already told you how to do it. Right? So you hear the exhortation, and you reach back there, and you get the energy bars, and you eat. So that's what's going on here. Verse 12 is the marathon coach saying, when you hit the wall, strengthen your knees. But back in verse 1 and verse 2, he said, here's the energy bars that you need to eat. Let's look again at verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us. And here's the key, looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So two weeks, preached a whole sermon on these verses, but here's the nutshell. We get our strength by looking at Jesus and holding on to the joy that is ours in the gospel. We find our strength by looking at Jesus and holding on to that joy that is ours because we have believed the gospel. And we find our strength by believing the gospel. When we're down, when we're wondering if following Jesus is worth it, that energy bar in our fanny pack is the gospel. Okay? When we wonder, is it worth it to keep following Jesus, what we need to do is to consider the joy that is set before us that is ours because what Jesus has done for us. That's where we get the strength to keep going, is by considering the joy. Okay, so just consider the joy of the gospel. 
The joy is that at the end of the race, we get eternal life with God. When we finish this race of faith in our lives, at the end, at the finish line, is eternal life with God. This is what Jesus has guaranteed for us. We deserve eternal punishment for our sins because we, quite frankly, have not run the race very well. Not on our own. We, we don't do very well in this life. We have sinned. We have, we have gone against God. We rebelled against him. We deserve punishment at the end of the race. But Jesus ran the race perfectly. And what he deserves at the end is reward and bliss and, and, and glory and honor. And when he died on the cross, he took the penalty for our sins and gave us his righteousness so that when we finish the race, we get the prize that he deserves. Waiting for us at the end of this life is, is bliss beyond what you and I could ever imagine. It's the greatest thing. We have no capacity, no words to describe how wonderful it will be. That's the joy at the end. And that's what gets us strength to continue running. Now, this is how it works with marathon runners, too. You know, I don't know, some, some marathons uh, advertise that you get some beer at the end, right? And that's why some people, like, at the end, are like, okay, I'm going to finish, I'm going to have it, and they say it's the best beer you've ever drank. Right? So they say, this is why I'm going to go. That's the joy and, and the, the, the accomplishment of having finished it. And they hold on to the joy of the finish, and that gives strength for those last 6.2 miles to keep on running. It says we can endure anything because we know at the end there's a prize that's worth it. Okay? This is our energy bar. This is how it works. We go back to the gospel. We go back to the joy that's before us. We bring that joy into the present. We hold on to it, and we keep on Going. That's where we get the strength for our weak knees. So I want to be practical today. What does that mean? How does this work? Let me, let me show you. Let me unwrap an energy bar for you. And then we're going to chew it together. We're going to work on how do we get the energy, okay? So, Dan, you're saying believe the gospel. What does that mean? All right, on your outline today, I've got, there's a little box on the bottom of the first page. I have labeled energy bars. Okay, these are some scriptures now, there's, there's a ton of them, right? There's tons of these, but here's some. We're not carrying a whole grocery store with us. We're carrying a little fanny pack. So what, what are we going to put in there? Here's some key scriptures that can help you. If you are in the moment where your knees are weak, your arms are drooping, you're tired, you're hitting the wall, where do you get the strength? Okay, here's some places. I want to look at the first one together to show you how this works. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Corinthians 4.16 is where I'll start. It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we're still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And I'll just stop there because we could keep going. But I want you to see how this works, right? So you're weak, you're losing strength. You say, I don't know if I want to go on. I don't have the faith to continue. I don't, I don't feel like following Jesus anymore. And you read these verses that remind us what is, 
What's happening to you right now is a light and momentary affliction. And it's preparing for you an eternal weight of glory that cannot, is it beyond all comparison? And so we look not to the things that are seen, not what's happening right now, but to what's unseen, what's in the future, and it changes our perspective and it reminds us of the glory. Chapter 5 speaks of resurrection, of the tent we have now, this groaning, failing tent, this body that we have will be clothed with what is life. And you can go on, but what you do, you you read these verses, you you think about these, you, you chew on them a while, and you let the energy, the spiritual strength, get into your soul. And it strengthens you. It gives you energy to take maybe just one more step, but that's another step. And you keep on going, you keep on running the race of faith. Other ones listed for you, Revelation chapter 21 and 22. I'm not going to read those, but you should, you should read those. It's a picture of the finish line. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Romans chapter 8. Heck, all of Romans. 1 Peter 5, 7 through 11. This is the benediction from last week. Isaiah 35 is where actually this phrase comes from in Hebrews 12 about strengthening your knees. Uh, all these passages and more are helpful for you. So don't, don't just crumple up this thing and, and throw it away. Don't just put it in your, uh, in your Bible case along with the uh, hundred other bulletins from the last five years and, and let it sit there until you finally empty it out. I, I know how it works. I do this too. Okay, read these. Memorize these. Get these written on your heart so that when you hit the wall or when the person that you're walking along with hits the wall, you can say, here, this is where you find the strength. The first thing to do when you hit the wall is you find strength by going back to the gospel, believing the gospel, fixing your eyes on the joy that's set before you. But sometimes we're not just tired. Sometimes we're hurt. Sometimes you're not just out of energy as you're running the race, but sometimes your hamstrings seize up and you can't even bend your legs. Sometimes you tweak your ankle. Okay, and it's, it's just hard. You're hurt. You're not just tired, you're also hurt. So what do you do when you're hurt? This is the second practical tip. You find healing by pursuing holiness. You find healing by pursuing holiness. Verse 13 now gives us the image for this one. It says, uh, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joints, but rather be healed. It gives us this image of a runner uh, running along in the race and the runner's coming up lame. So something's happening, whether it's your hamstrings or you've tweaked an ankle or something's wrong. You, and this happens in endurance races all the time, right? You're pushing your body to the limits. And when you push your body to the limit, it starts to break down in various ways. So in this verse, he gives some what's really obvious advice. Okay? He says, uh, when you're hurt, when you've tweaked your ankle, uh, at the end of the race, find a straight path, a smooth path, uh, that is relatively easy to run on so that you don't hurt yourself more. Saying, avoid those crooked paths. Don't go running where there's a bunch of roots and potholes. Because if you do that, what's, what's only a little lame right now could get busted off. You can start with a twisted ankle and end up with a broken leg. So when you're running the race and you start to come up lame, you need to stay on a straight path, you need a smooth path. 
It's pretty obvious advice. I think we'd all agree with that in terms of running. But what's he talking about spiritually? What's he talking about when you're, when you're hurting spiritually? So if, you've, uh, if you're hurting spiritually, if you've sinned and you've fallen into kind of sinful behavior, uh, or maybe you've had a major catastrophe in your life that's rocked your faith and you're just hurting, oh, I don't know how to, how to handle this, how to deal with this. Or you've drifted away from God and he seems very distant and you don't know how to get back, so you're hurting in your relationship with God. Uh, when you're hurting like that, you don't just need strength, you need healing. You need healing. You need to get on a smooth, straight path that's going to bring you healing, not something that's going to cause more hurt, more difficulty, more broken legs. And what's the smooth path that he's recommending here? Look in verse 13, or verse 14, sorry. Verse 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So the straight path is holiness. It's, it's obedience. It's righteous living. And if you're familiar with the Bible, this makes sense that there's this image often about the straight path, not veering to the right or the left, but following God, walking after him, the, the, the path of obedience. He said the smooth path, the straight path is to obey, to run after Christ. So, so what he's saying here is this, when you're hurting spiritually, when things aren't working quite, quite right and you're coming up a little lame in your spiritual life, you feel distant from God, you're struggling with sin, something's wrong. What you really need for healing is to get back on the straight path. What you really need for healing is to begin pursuing holiness, in some ways to redouble your efforts to follow after God, and that is what's going to bring healing when you get back on the straight path, not wandering off into the, to the, to the pothole-infested, uh, root-filled, dangerous path of disobedience, but walking in obedience, that's where healing comes. Now, I don't think I have to point out that that's not how we usually operate. Okay, or at least it's not how I usually operate. When I'm hurting spiritually, when I feel distant from God, my first inclination is, n- is not to obey. It quite, it's the opposite. Okay? If, if I'm hurting spiritually, um, so if, if because I've sinned, I'm, I'm feeling some hurt in my spiritual life. Uh, and, and because of that, I just don't have a good relationship with God, haven't reconciled with him, I've got some sin in my life. Okay, in that moment where I'm hurting spiritually, I don't feel uh, like I should go back to God and, and make things right and start walking the path of holiness again. Uh, what usually happens in the moment for me is I feel like, uh, okay, I've sinned, I feel bad because of my sin, God feels distant to me. I don't want to deal with my sin right now, so I'm not getting any comfort from God. Hey, sin provides comfort. I think I'll go do that. So I sin more, but then I feel worse because I sin more, and then my relationship with God is even more strained, and I feel like, oh, I can't go back to God now and certainly can't get comfort from God, but hey, sin, maybe I'll get some comfort from sin, and so I sin more, and then I feel worse, and you see the pattern. So pretty soon I don't just have a twisted ankle, I've got a broken leg. Right? And, and that's a mindset that we can have, this in for a penny, in for a pound. If I've already damaged my relationship with God through sin, I might as well go for more. Okay, that's like saying, I dropped my smartphone on the floor. I guess I better jump on it now. Or I ruined my diet with a Snickers, May as well have a whole pizza and a gallon of ice cream. 
uh, or to use the imagery of this passage, I've already twisted my ankle. I might as well run on rough terrain and see if I can break the darn thing off. See, when we're hurting spiritually, sin looks attractive. Disobedience looks attractive because we're already there, but it's only going to make things worse. The path towards healing is the path towards holiness. Obedience is how we get better. It's how we finish the race. So let's get practical again. What is the obedience that we need when we're hurting spiritually? Okay, and here's the warning. I'm going to tell you things that you already know, and I know you already know. I know. But we still need them. The fact that we know them doesn't mean that we're doing them. So here's the, here's the basic things that, you know, when we want to keep running on broken trails, even though we know what's good for us, I'm here to remind you, this is what we need to do when we're hurting. We need to take advantage of the means of grace. We need to take advantage of these things that God has given us by which he gives us more grace and helps us in our healing. So those are, are on the back side of your outline in the little box. The means of grace, these things that provide healing and help for us in our times of need. The first one I've got listed for you is repentance. Repentance. We talked about sin. I told you I sin. Remember that one. Your pastor sins. Okay. What do we do when we sin? That's the point. We all sin. What do we do with our sin? Do we say, well, I've sinned. I've fallen off the wagon. I might as well go whole hog. Or do we acknowledge our sin and turn back to God as soon as we possibly can. Okay? We, we get caught in the cycle of sin. What we have to do is repent. That's what breaks the cycle of sin. When we turn away from God, he hasn't abandoned us. He's waiting for us to turn back to him. So instead of turning to sin for comfort and getting enmeshed in more and more and more sin, we just suck it up. We turn to God and we say, I've, I've sinned. You know I've sinned. You saw the thing happen. Okay? And I, I, I repent. I'm sorry. I, please forgive me. And you're reconciled. And then you're back on the straight path. You're back on the straight path, and while you're on the straight path, you can get healing. Repentance is the first thing. And there's some other practices that we need. The next one I've got listed for you is regular Bible intake. Whoa, he's never said that before. This brings healing. Why do we talk about the Bible a lot? Why do we preach the Bible? Why do we study the Bible? Because this is the path towards healing. You know, and, and when God feels distant, when you're hurting... It's the last thing you want to do. But when you first start, it might just seem like dry words on a page. But you just need to give it time. Being in the Word will bring healing and life. You will find those energy bars that you need to sustain you in your situations. God will bring those to light for you. You will be nourished as you hear from the Lord. You'll find guideposts from Him to say, these are the paths to avoid. These are the paths to run on. And I'm always careful to, to say regular Bible intake because maybe it's not just reading for you. Okay? I mean, maybe, that's, maybe, you just, maybe it's so dry for you right now you cannot even read it. All you're seeing is just black words on a white page or maybe red words if you're in the Gospels. And that's all you're seeing. So you need some help. So uh, get the Bible in however you can. So preaching is helpful for that. There's a, amazing radio programs, podcasts. We live in a wealth of information you can find good people who will preach the gospel to you and help to apply it to your lives. Good songs based on scripture and truth can nourish your soul when you're so dry and you're hurting. Somehow, get in the word. It will help you heal. 
Third, prayer. Again, shocker. When you're, when you're dry, when you're hurting, prayer, like the Bible, it feels like the last thing you want to do. I mean, you might even be hurting because you're mad at God. Why would I want to talk to God when I'm mad at him? He's the one who did this to me. But prayer is a key to healing. Again, if you don't, you don't have to start out with, well, I could never, I can't pray. I don't have, I don't, I can't pray for 30 minutes. I, I have nothing to say to God. Okay, you don't have to start out with these huge expectations. Pray the Lord's Prayer and try to mean it. Okay, Let's try that one. Just try to pray the Lord's Prayer and try to mean it when you pray. Or if that's too much, just say, help me, Jesus. Christ, have mercy. Start somewhere. Begin that conversation again. And as you start to pray, you find healing. Fourth, accountable fellowship with other believers. Accountable fellowship with other believers. That's getting together with other believers and helping each other on the way. So sometimes when you're hurt, uh, what you really need is another believer to come up next to you and put your arm around them and, and carry you as you hop on one leg towards the finish line. Okay? Sometimes you need four or five to come and just pick you up and carry you across the finish line. But that's why God has put us together in a family of believers called the local church. Because we need other Christians who can love us, who can listen to us and encourage us, who will help us. So one of the things that you need to walk on the straight path towards healing is you need other people in your life on a regular basis who know you well enough to know when you are hurting, who know you well enough that you feel safe telling them when you're hurting, and who can help. Uh, so partly that happens on Sunday. I mean, we're at least here together. Um, but, but it doesn't totally happen on Sunday. Typically you need some other ways in which you're getting together with believers to encourage you and help you on a deeper level uh, to just have that vulnerability and connection so you can share with them, hey, I really busted up my ankle. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking. I've fallen into some sin. It's been six months since I've read the Bible. Can you help me? And as you ask for help, we will help one another. We are here to help one another to make it across the finish line. There's things that we can do. There's things that we should do, things that we have to do. When we hit the wall, when we're tired of following Jesus, we need to find strength by going back and believing the gospel, and we need to find healing by pursuing holiness. This is what enables us to keep on going. There's a guy named Horatio G. Spafford. So are you looking for child names? You might want to tuck that one away. Horatio G. Spafford, he's a, he's a guy who knows what it means to hit the wall. Uh, he's not a runner. He's a Christian. He's a Christian who experienced in, an incredible series of tragedies. Uh, he was a wealthy man. He was a lawyer in Chicago in the 1860s. Um, he was friends with D.L. Moody. 